You're listening to the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Thank you, Kansas City. We did it, baby. Yep. Welcome into another episode of the Kingdom Rewind here on Arrowhead Live. I'm Roman Metcalf. Alongside me is Sean. Sean, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? Oh, good. I mean, it was it was good to get to see the Chiefs play. Uh, they don't have to wait to play that game, so it was it was nice to see them win. I really thought they were going to postpone that. I really did. I, I know yeah. they moved it back a day, but I thought it was going to get postponed to something later. I really thought maybe they would they would wait and push that to the end of the season because of how much you know everyone wanted to see Cam versus Mahomes. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, we even saw them push. Uh, push the, I believe the Titans and Steelers game back, and yeah, I'm I'm surprised that they didn't wait longer. But I, you know, it was it was great to get to see the Chiefs play and not have to go without a weekend without watching them play. Part of me also thinks that this was the Patriots' way of losing and saying they would have won if they had Cam. <laughs> yeah, the Patriots fans are probably the worst in football. So <laughs> yeah, they're they're. They're fun the day after a loss, though. I like I like trolling them on Twitter. Oh. <laughs> so since it's Raider Week, I guess we'll. Uh, it's one of the most bitter, hate, hated rivalries in the National Football League. We'll we'll go ahead and talk about the Chiefs and Raiders, and more of a specific player who went from playing in Oakland now now the Las Vegas Raiders, but. He came to the Chiefs, and and in my opinion, I never got to watch him play, but in in my opinion, I think he did so much better at Chief than a Raider, and I'm talking about Marcus Allen. Yeah, I mean, uh, Marcus Allen was one of these guys that Chiefs fans every Sunday hated, and he was the guy on the other sidelines. He was, was, uh, you know, they saw him twice twice a year, and he, he would beat the crap out of him. Uh, his rookie year, he, he came in as the, or became the rookie rookie of the year that year, and you know it, it's kind of it's kind of weird. It's kind of similar to the route that Patrick Mahomes has taken. He came in as the rookie. Of the, he was tenth overall selection. Same thing, same thing as Patrick Mahomes. Wins offensive rookie of the year. Uh, they lose. They lose in the playoffs. Uh, comes back the next year, and is the uh, NFL MVP. Which I know Mahomes did it his first year as a starter, but. But, uh, you know, becomes NFL MVP, takes the Raiders to the Super Bowl against the Redskins, has an amazing game, becomes Super Bowl MVP. And it just, the stage was set for, for this guy to be the face of the franchise, the face of the NFL. And, you know, the Raiders were going to run on this dynasty because they had this young feature back. That was unstoppable, much like the Chiefs have with their quarterback, who's, who appears unstoppable. And uh, but the difference is, <laughs> the the Raiders didn't. They had a different owner than the Chiefs have. They had an owner that wanted it to be about him. Al Davis was the owner of the Raiders, and not only the owner but the GM. And you know the guy who's coined the phrase with, with just win, baby. Uh, he meant that with the Raiders as a whole. 
not just one individual to take the spotlight. And that's what was happening with Marcus Allen. One individual was taking the spotlight and was showing that, that, that he was, when you talked about the LA Raiders, you talked about Marcus Allen and that really got to Al Davis. Owner, as an owner, that's something you should want. Like you should want people to be coming, watching your team, paying money to buy tickets for home games or even away games, and come to watch that star because you're attracting people to your team by having a superstar like that. I mean, let's see that with uh, our quarterback Mahomes. You know, that's something that should be a manager should want, and so for Al Davis. You know, do what he did to Marcus Allen. It was totally ridiculous. Well, it's it's you know, you look at the difference in ownership, like like Clark Hunt and Brett Beach. You know, I combine them together because because the Raiders had Al Davis doing both, but but Clark Hunt and Brett Beach, you know, they they found this guy, they found the face of the franchise, so they do more to promote him. And then when the time came, <laughs> they gave him an, a historic contract. And that's something that, that Marcus Allen never really got with with Los Angeles. He never got that big deal. And that was one of the things that, that Marcus Allen thought maybe was the issue. Because he never really understood what the issue was between him and Al Davis. The, the main consensus is that Al Davis was just power hungry and didn't like somebody else in the spotlight. But it also came down to, to uh, you know, contract negotiations and things like that. He didn't want to pay this guy. And uh, so you saw with, um, from like 1985, when Marcus Allen led the league in, uh, in rushing, you know, from that moment, he had 380 carries. He never even got close to that every year after. And from like 88 to 92, there was a slew of running backs that um, that come in, like Bo Jackson, Roger Craig, Eric Dickerson, all these guys that would come in and um, uh, that Al Davis would try to replace Marcus Allen with because he just didn't want to see Marcus Allen in the spotlight anymore. And it, well, and I I agree with you there, especially looking at records. And- Stats and stuff after Marcus Allen left, but I mean, bring for Al Davis bringing Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson, pretty big name in sports. So I, you know, it makes me wonder if there was some, you know, between the lines that we're not reading between that happened between Al Davis to really like hinder the relationship. Well, if you look at look at how they how they played, I mean, in '85 they were a playoff team and. Marcus Allen was the leading rusher and they were, you know, they, they were this team that was, you know, that, that, that could win it again. This was just two years after they won the Super Bowl in 83, you know, they were always that team that looked like they could do it again. And, and then since that point with guys like Bo Jackson and Roger Craig and Eric Dickerson, and uh, I think Greg Bell was another one. I'm not real sure who Greg Bell was, but, but he brought they they brought in these guys and they never got to that that again they never won the division until 1990. Well, that's the year that Bo Jackson hurt himself. Bo Jackson gets hurt in 1990. Marcus Allen comes in, which Bo Jackson gets voted to the Pro Bowl and Marcus Allen doesn't. But the, statistically, they played pretty similar. 
and Marcus Allen helps them get to a 12 and four record in 1990. And then, you know, 91 and 92, Marcus Allen doesn't see more than, or doesn't see more than 70 carries in a season, either one of those years. He only played eight games in 91. So that, you know, there may have been an injury there or something like that, but the fall 92 season, 16 games, he was active. He, he wasn't even listed as a running back. He was more of like a fullback type, type, uh, you know, position. It was mostly fullback, but, you know, you could talk about wingback or whatever. Uh, and he only got 67 carries in 92. So, you know, there was something going on. Marcus Allen accused, you know, Al Davis of trying to ruin the latter part of his career and and limit and prevent him from going to the Hall of Fame. If, you know, if there, if there was a real, like, issue that Al Davis had with Marcus Allen, I would think that he would just get him out of there. He would have got him out of there after the 85 season. His trade value was a lot higher in 85 uh, when he led the league in rushing. So you could have got a lot for him. But I, I mean, go ahead. I mean, the, uh, even if Al Davis wanted to try to ruin his career, looking at the awards and stuff that Marcus Allen has, there is no way that he would have not have gotten into the uh gotten into Canton, Ohio because he's there are some really impressive awards here and he has a lot of yeah I mean and and you know a lot of those he got after the 92 season in 93 he became a free agent and first place he goes to is Kansas City well obviously he wanted to play for a rival because he wanted to stick it to the Raiders now he really had no animosity towards the team itself he just really did towards Al Davis and he wanted to stick it to Al Davis. So he went to Kansas city and you know, that first year in 93, he wasn't even really the feature back. He was kind of splitting carries with uh, a rookie running back, Greg Hill, but he still led the league in rushing touchdowns with 12. And the guy was, you know, had incredible vision could find, you know, anytime we had a, a you know, third and two or something like that, he was the go-to guy. And, uh, and you know, he, that first year, I think they, they beat the Raiders twice. And uh, he, you know, he went on, I think, I think during his tenure, he, I think he was, I want to say 10 and one against the Raiders. I, I, I don't have that stat up, but I'm pretty sure that was the, that was what it was, but it, it just showed that, that, you know, he was this incredible back and he's in the hall of fame. Now he, he went on to have a, you know, five seasons with Kansas city um, you know, he didn't even, he didn't amount to a thousand yards, but he was, he was, you know, eight, eight ninety and eight thirty and 95 and 96. Uh, he had, he had a bunch of touchdowns for the chiefs. He was, you know, he was in playoff games. Uh, you know, he was, he's, he was, you know, he was a part of the, the playoff demises that, that, that occurred in 93, 95 and 97. <laughs> but, but, uh, you know, it, it, it he was, he was a big key to that offense, you know, in 93 also they brought in Joe Montana. So that, that helped as well. But, uh, you know, he was, he was a, a key part of that offense and was, was a key part of that backfield. And you, you kind of wonder if he wouldn't have had that five year, four or five year lull where they were trying to replace him in Oakland, what his number, his career numbers would have been. I mean, he could have been up there with Barry Sanders or, or Emmett Smith or those guys. And, uh, you know, he, I think, I think a lot of that is because Al Davis pretty much screwed him. 
well, the, Ra- the Raiders do do a good job of that, I feel like. I mean, look at a lot of the years they've had, maybe not towards players, but just, just in general, do a good job of screwing themselves. So, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, if, if you – since we're talking about the Chiefs, uh, Chiefs and Raiders and then going back to, like, it's – it's absolutely insane that both these teams have met 121 times and the Chiefs hold a 67-53-2 record over the Raiders. So I'd say that uh, Marcus Allen can gladly say that he helped take part in that record and really stick it to him, you know, like well, you were mentioning. Well, too. absolutely. I mean, when he retired in, you know, 98, uh, you know, there, there, there was, I don't know if he actually, actually retired with one team. I don't know if they actually do that anymore. But there was a lot of speculation that he would retire with the Chiefs, even though he had more numbers and more longevity with the Raiders. It just was a better overall experience for his career. He was, he was loved in Kansas City. And, you know, Carl Peterson, the, the GM at the time, and Lamar Hunt, the, those guys loved having him on the on the team. And, and, and that's all we really wanted was that kind of appreciation. He was, he was never out to, to, you know, outdo the ownership or, or take the spotlight from anybody else. He just was out there to do his job. And that's what he did in Kansas city. And he was, he was one of the best at it, even that far, that late in his career. I mean, look at, look at running backs today. Like, I mean, if you, if you look at, you know, he played He played 16 years in the league. How many running backs do you see today that could put up 16 years worth of – now, granted, a lot of those – a few of those years in, in, in L.A. were because he was on the bench. But still, I mean, he, he had a, quite a long career of running the football, and you just don't see that today. I mean, I, I think the, the people that would come close to it or the players that would come close to it are uh, you got to – Frank Gore and Adrian Peterson. I mean, I feel like those are the only two guys that could maybe come close. I feel like Frank Gore's been in the league since the 80s. <laughs> that, yeah. guy, that guy's just been there forever. He's going to play for all 32 teams before he retires. <laughs> Real, yeah. I, I mean, go ahead. I don't know. I haven't really watched Frank Gore, but, I mean, if, if he can get downhill and does a good job of pounding the rock, bring him to Kansas City because – we, we need a running back that can do that. Right now, we do not have that. Well, I mean, you know, I I think me and you disagree a little bit on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but I will say that that it was pretty obvious that in since week one, he's never been the goal line guy. But he wasn't drafted to be that guy. He was drafted to be the the gadget running back out of the, out of the flat screen type guy, and we were going to have – you know, if you remember last year, Damian Williams, I don't know how many times that guy converted a fourth and one or a fourth and two, especially after we stopped doing the quarterback sneak because of Pat. I mean, he was he was that guy. And then after we drafted Edwards Hilaire, he opts, uh, Damian Williams opts out. So Edwards Hilaire has been kind of thrown in that role alongside with uh, Daryl Williams, uh, which I think he he's a little bit better of a goal line guy than, than Edwards Hilaire. But, I mean, you know, we just kind of have to, to play with what you got. And, and you know, and that, that's been the theme of this, of this season of the NFL with everything going on with COVID. 
all the injuries because of a lack of preseason, you just got to play with what you got. I mean, this, this team's been decimated at the secondary position on the defense, and they still just next man up and the guy's outstanding. You know, whether it's Sean Fenton, LeJarius Sneed, um, you know, Bo Pete Keys, uh, you know, these guys that stepped in and, and are, are just playing outstanding football. That's kind of what, you know, Edwards Hilaire is being asked to do. And, you know, them goal line stance are hard to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't, I just, I, I expected to be more out of Hilaire, especially him being a uh, first round draft pick, but, well, you know, you know my theory on this, and and we've talked we talked before the show. We've talked several times, several weeks about this. How I feel like there are teams, especially teams where the Chiefs are favored by double digits, and it looks like it's going to be an easy win. They don't open up the playbook. They play vanilla football, and you're sitting there scratching your head, wondering what's wrong with the Chiefs. And then they play a team like the Ravens, where you think it's going to be a dogfight for four quarters, and they blow them out. It's because. I feel Andy Reid doesn't want to put everything on tape for a team that he can beat with his eyes closed, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, he doesn't want to to show his hand to anybody. So I think, you know, big games out of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, they're going to be more for the Thursday night game at, Buff- at Buffalo. They're, they, they, he had a pretty good game against the Ravens. Um, same with same with uh, the receivers. You're going to see Pat lighten up, you know, big plays down the field in those type of games. While you may see a nickel and diamond a little bit against a depleted Patriots team or a Chargers team that that is starting a rookie quarterback for the very first time. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just after last season, I think we talked about this on quite a few shows. Is I expect nothing but wins this season. I and I don't feel like that's too much to ask after what we did last year and what we were able to accomplish in the playoffs, especially in the playoffs. Like what we've been able to accomplish in the last two seasons, I don't think it's too much to ask to to go out there and really put it on a team and put up fifty, sixty when you have the team to do it. And I, I get that it's this isn't college football and it's a it's a lot harder, but the way that we played, especially in that 18 season, we made it look super easy, putting up 50 points a game. And I, w- I want to see that back, but I also want to see them be able to put up that 50 without um, without opening up a playbook and really exposing themselves to other teams so we can continue to go on and win and do the things, bring in Super Bowls and do the things that we want to see the Chiefs do as a fan base. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, the only stat that really matters is the W. So it's not like, like you said, it's not college football where where you get evaluated on how bad you beat a team. That's there's none of that in the NFL. So if if Andy thinks he can get by by playing, you know, soft football for three quarters and then just put them away in the fourth quarter, kind of like he did yesterday against the Patriots. And and keep a lot of things in the playbook for when he thinks he's really going to need it. Not just against Buffalo, but against you know teams like maybe the Patriots again in the playoffs with the with the healthy Cam Newton, or the Ravens again, who who have actually seen this Chiefs team, you know, kind of 
un, unhook the trailer a little bit, so to speak. Uh, you know, he's got he's got to have some of that stuff still in the holster because if it's out on tape, they're going to try to figure out a way to put a blueprint. You, you, we hear the blueprint, the word blueprint, thrown out a lot with this Chiefs team. And, and, you know, then they kind of say, oh, well, you know, the Chargers playing him close. Maybe they have the blueprint. You can't say you have a blueprint on beating a team if you can't beat that team. So while we played while we played a little sloppy and it looked like a struggle against the Patriots and the Chargers, there still is no blueprint out on how to beat this team, at least not yet this season, at least not yet since November of last season. So, I mean, I'll take wins any way I can get them. And uh, I've seen like, – go ahead. Like, like Mahomes tweeted out last night after the game, a win's a win, you know. I mean, Absolutely. no matter how – so, and I – hey, look, and I've told people this a lot. I said, I'll take a win however people are – oh, the Chiefs suck, the Chiefs are this, that. Like, I'll take a win however I can get it as a fan, whether that's coming down overtime in a seven – or uh, 58-yard field goal, then so be it. Um, but, you know, I it seems like, you know, we, we did all right against the Texans. We definitely did real good against the, uh, the Ravens. But I feel like, you know, it was just one game, but I feel like we have um, – we kind of struggle against interconference um, teams, you know. So, like, we're like – the Chargers game and then the Patriots, and I don't know how we'll play the Raiders, but the Raiders have looked decent. I mean, they're two and two, but they it looked like they started off hot. They came down from a big lead, and so that's what I'm not. I'm never ever scared of a division opponent because um, I know that we have the upper hand and I can get it done. But it's just the way that we've been playing. It scares me to want to watch the game on Sunday because they're kind. It seems like they kind of struggled against. You know, interconference or interdivision opponents, and we've only, like I said, we've only well, played one division and conference. You know, you got you got the Patriots, you got the Raiders. You know, any any AFC team, it's 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 always higher magnitude because the win actually means more. But in the division, you got guys that you see twice a year, and you see them every year, twice a year. So they're going to have more. They know more about your team than other teams do. So that's why we always play the Chargers close. We'll, we'll play this Raider game will be close. It, it'll it'll come down to where Pat makes a play. And uh and and you know, it'll be kind of close. Chiefs probably hanging on to a slight lead the whole game, and then Pat'll put them away late in the fourth with something with something amazing. And they'll say, Oh, Pat struggled all game, and then but but the, they'll they'll skip over the fact that well he's the reason we won the game. So, so, and, and I, that's exactly how I see it going down because I don't think, I don't think Andy's going to show too much in this game. I don't think he wants, especially with a short turnaround, he doesn't want Buffalo to have, have anything that they can use against him. You know, Andy's going to need all those big plays on a Thursday night game because this is, this is, this will be the third game they've played in 10 days. So, you know, he knows that his team may not be, you know, full strength come Thursday night against Buffalo, especially playing a gritty a gritty uh, Raider team. Uh, but he's going to try to do, you know, he's going to try to pull out all the stops so he can have that upper hand against them because he's going to need it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hopefully we'll see. So I'm I'm excited for it, and I, I think that it'll be, it'll be a good game, but I just – 
it being a Chiefs fan, and I think I speak for maybe a lot of us, it's it's hard to sit there and watch these games and watch them struggle on offense like they do when we all know that they're more than capable of putting up, you know, 20, what, what, what do we win by last night, 28, 13 or something? We're, we're more than capable of putting up 28 points a game. We could put up those 50, 60 points, and I get what to say for the playoffs, but I mean, at some point, teams are going to catch on. I mean, unless you go do something every season where it's different, teams going to catch on. Well, and right now you're not you're, – you're, you're asking – you need Andy just to think about this year. And, that, and I think that's all he's doing. He's thinking about this year. I mean, next year will come, and, and we'll see where we're at then. And uh, but, but the goal is uh, – his goal is probably every week to win. But – he kind of and, and and I heard this in an interview with Tyra Matthew because he mentioned he mentioned the next two games, so I could tell that some of them are already thinking about Buffalo, and and I may get a lot of slack uh, flack for this. Oh, they only think of one game at a time. How do you not think about a team like Buffalo when you've seen that you know you can beat the Raiders, you know that you don't have to play your A game to beat the Raiders, but you've seen Buffalo who's four zero. There they are the the new new eye candy. As far as like NFL media goes, they're always talking about Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen and how they're they're this you know Josh Allen's in the MVP you know chant and all that stuff. Everyone's talking about him. It's you know it, it'd be hard to say that you're not looking to Thursday night. And I think Andy Reid, I think he does that on a regular basis. And that's why that's why you see, you know, he's got a perfect game plan for the Ravens but not the best game plan for the Chargers. Maybe a little bit of, of, of not looking at the current opponent, maybe a little bit of more game planning for the bigger opponent. But there's got to – I think they no one would buy that there isn't a little bit of that going on. I don't believe it anyways. I mean, I know they'll probably, they'll probably feed the media that, oh, you know, one game at a time and stuff like that. But, but you got you got to look at Buffalo. And I will say this. If they go through this stretch – where they go and they beat Las Vegas at home, which I, I may have called them Oakland earlier. I don't know. That's going to be a hard habit to break. <laughs> if they beat Las Vegas at home and then they turn around and go to Buffalo and win on Thursday and win these three games in this 10-day stretch, I'm going to be on the bandwagon for 16 now. I will. Because they have the easiest schedule to date. Going forward, the Chiefs have the easiest schedule. I think the next – team they play that right now that has a winning record would be Tampa. Um, I think, I think 16 and 0 is very much in play. Uh, if they get through this stretch, I think Buffalo is going to be a tough game. I'm nervous about Buffalo, which I'm sure a lot of Chiefs fans say they're not, but Buffalo looks pretty good. They got a stout defense. They've got good coaching and they got a good quarterback, everything the chiefs have so far. Um, but if they get through it and they win it, I don't know who's going to beat them. Yeah, it's I, – I hate playing this waiting game. It sucks to play the waiting game, but, <laughs> you know, hopefully we uh, can get it done. And, I mean, I know that we're going to beat the Raiders, but it, it's just kind of like focusing on the next game of you got to – I don't know. I, I just – I hate seeing this team struggle, and especially if they go out and play the Raiders this week and they struggle – 
But you want to blow out every week. I, I, I do too. I mean, it's a lot easier. I use less. I go through the Tums bottle a lot less <laughs> when we're blowing teams out. But uh, I wasn't really nervous about the Patriot game. I didn't think that Brian Hoyer or or I can't still can't pronounce his name Stidham, <laughs> Jared Stidham. Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't. I was never worried that they were going to be able to outplay Mahomes, no matter how bad Mahomes looked. Which he didn't really look that bad. He just there were a couple balls he threw that I thought should have been picked. Uh, he missed a few few guys. He was a little, little bit off. But but I just thought. I just thought he played what the defense was giving him. And that's something that Brian Hoyer or Jared Stidham couldn't do. They couldn't play what the defense was giving them. They played right into the defense's hands with the multiple turnovers that they had. With with the Hoyer Hoyer threw two picks, Stidham threw one, and then Hoyer fumbled, uh, something like that. And then Hoyer had that basically at halftime where Hoyer is running around like he's Lamar Jackson, supposedly. And then gets sacked and forgets that he has he's used all his timeouts and they don't get any points. That's about the moment I realize there's no way they can beat us. <laughs> They're just not smart enough. And uh, you know, and so I was never really worried in that game. And I think the good news about playing the Raiders is that you're all. I feel like the Chiefs are always up for a Raider game. There, there, there's never, there's never. A, oh, well, we didn't just didn't see them coming. We weren't prepared for it. It's, it's, it's Raider week. This is one of the most hated rivalries. You know, this is the Chiefs' biggest rival, in my opinion, is the Raiders. Always has been, and um, I think I think that um, uh, they'll they'll be up for this game. They'll be prepared for it. I don't think they'll use a lot of the playbook for it, but I think it'll be you know a game where Pat's got a maybe a, a touchdown lead all game or something like that, and then we get a field goal late in late in the fourth to put it away. Something something silly like that. I think is is very very likely. I think you'll look back at this game and be like, "Wow, we won that game," but there was nothing really to write home about. But I think that's exactly what Andy Reid wants. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's hope uh, it's you know we got we got a few more few more days until Sunday, and then we can figure out how actually how this team is going to play and how they're going to answer back to last week. But I guess I just had high expectations for this game because. Like I said, I I hate New England. I despise. New England. I will love. I will take any chance I can get to rub a win in their faces when they, especially when they lose to the Chiefs. Well, I, I think I, there is some. There is some where if you keep it close with New England and they don't have Cam Newton, there will be some Patriot fans that think, "Oh, well, if we had Cam, we win that game." I bet there's some Chiefs fans that might have th- thought that. So that's where there is a little bit of a negative, but. Who cares what we think? You know, Andy Reid's going to get the win, and we'll move on, and, and, and there'll be a team later down the road that will blow out, and and all of this will be forgotten. You know, after we beat the Ravens, nobody was talking about that Charger game anymore. So I, I think this is all – got to trust Andy. He's done enough to where he earns our trust, and, you know, if, if, if it looks sloppy, I'm going to just chalk it up as part of the plan. Hey, before you take us out, what do you got for a score prediction? Sunday. Uh, I like to put you on the spot on that. Like, you, I know you have not even thought about it, and I'm like, oh, what do you got? Um, God, I don't. I mean, you're saying close, and I, I mean, I you're really the only person I've talked to. So, especially the way they're playing, I'm gonna say maybe we're gonna be seeing a close game. Honestly, 
you know, I, I uh, I'll go thirty-five to twenty-five. Okay, so that's I have the same same point spread, ten points. I think I think it'll be I think it'll be lower. I think we're looking at uh, 24-14, maybe 27-17, something like that. I'll st- 27-17, because I don't think they'll – I think they'll score more. I think it'll be a higher scoring than 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 uh, the Patriot game, but not by much. And I think I think it'll be 24-17 through most of the – you know, through through most of the fourth quarter, and then, then Bucker will knock one in to put it out of reach. So 27-17, that's what I'm doing. Well- no, you you say Butker. He's, I think he used up all used up all of his uh, all of his leg in one kick and back in the Chargers game because he's looked kind of rough. He's I think missed- I think we jinxed him. We do we do a podcast over how great and amazing Harrison Butker is, <laughs> and, and then he just he just stops. Which is yeah. We, no more no more doing anything over players that actually are playing for the Chiefs right now. Because I don't, <laughs> don't want to jinx any more of our players. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh-uh, nope. <laughs> well, yeah, so that'll... I guess that'll wrap it up here on uh, the Kingdom Rewind, and we'll we'll be back next week, hopefully with uh, with a big Chiefs win, but the way they've been playing, we, we could also see a 10-point 10 10 point spread in the score difference. So. Get the Rollades ready. Yeah. So for Sean Dixon, I'm Roman Metcalf. We'll see you next week. To the Chiefs Kingdom, you guys are world champions once again. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Go Chiefs!